You're listening to Operant Innovations, a podcast by ABA Technologies. Today, we continue our talk with Dr. Jose Martinez-Diaz as we explore where he thinks the field is going and where he would like it to go. That's that's quite a bit that you accomplished in that 19-year time period and just that, again, the persistence of up against people firing you and finding your your people and the people that had that behavioral perspective to be able to really make a difference and, and get your inroads there. So that's really mm-hmm. fantastic to hear that and sort of that evolution. And I guess sort of thinking about that perspective and, and you have been in the field for so many years and seen how it's evolved over time and gone from being um, in the psychology department to being more recognized as behavior analysis. So just wanted to start to transition and think about where do you see the future of behavior analysis going? You know, you've seen all that's happened over the years. What do you think is, is going to be happening in the future? Oh my goodness. <laughs> A crystal ball I do not have. Mm. I know what I would like to see. Okay. But I also at the same time know what the contingencies are out there. And the contingencies are against things happening in the way that I would like them to be. So it could be that we totally mess it up and that we wind up not accomplishing what people like Jerry Shook, like Jim Johnston, like Judy Fable and some other folks that had the vision to take this field separate from psychology and who fortunately uh, had me as one of their... The word partner is so strong of a word, but I was one of the people involved in helping create something separate for behavior analysts. And of course, I haven't told you, uh, and maybe depending on how this gets said, <laughs> and I can say that now, it's just the fact that the transition from where we were back in the 60s and 70s and 80s to what started to happen in the 90s and then what happened in the 2000s so far versus what's happening in the future is is very important but here's the there's a vision and what certain people like myself and the other people i mentioned saw is what we wanted to happen versus what is happening which is very different than than what we hope would happen. <laughs> I don't know, you can ask. Maybe we, I lost track of the question here because it's, uh, it's, it's like, w- where do I want it to go versus where do I see it going are two different questions. <laughs> uh, maybe, ah. go. maybe focus on where you want <clears throat> to go. Yeah. Is there one that you feel more comfortable no, I, I would like to talk about both, but they're two different two different things. Where I where I wanted to go versus where I where 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 it could go if if things do not 
Maybe we back up and fixed. do that. So maybe we start with sort of the vision for what you'd like to see. And then right. we've got another question about um, what keeps you up at night or concerns. <laughs> yeah. So maybe go with the vision. Yeah. yeah. What would you like to see? Like. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, my goodness. Well, I've got just, I think we'll do like three more questions given our timing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, well, we'll start. Okay. So just... Picking up kind of where we were, so we just talked about your history and sort of how you came to um, behavior analysis and your educational background. So next, just wanted to think about what would you like to see for the field of behavior analysis going into the future? Where would you like to see it go? What would you like to see for it? Well, that's that's a big one because uh, I've had a vision for decades about this and uh, essentially I was lucky enough to find other people who had similar visions, people like Jerry Shook, people like Jim Johnston, also Judy Fable, um, and and so forth, and 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 we all uh, wanted first of all to protect people from. people who were not trained well enough to apply our very powerful procedures uh, because behavior and uh, analysis applied behavior analysis and the old name behavior mod uh, for years what it was thought of as anybody can do this stuff in fact I'll digress a little bit just to tell you that when I uh, later on in my life I took a job as a director of a residential center uh, for um, uh, uh, kids and teenagers what to through age uh, through age seventeen uh, the the uh, and there was a psych- psychiatrist who said, oh, so you're one of those behavior modifiers. Uh, why do you need a PhD on that? Why do you even need a degree? It's the direct care staff who do that stuff. Anybody can do that. And unfortunately, and uh, we were turning over and doing training with people and and it was like, anybody can do this. Uh, we're gonna teach you how to do this and then you're gonna do it and, and, and spread it this way. And even in Florida, what happened was that when uh, 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 this, the state institutions got in trouble and, uh, with the, and the Department of Justice recommended that they set regulations for behavior analysis and behavior modification in the state of Florida, and the Florida certification started. Initially, the requirements to be a, 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 a Florida CBA, a certified behavior analyst, you have to have a high school diploma. You could have a PhD, you could have a master's, but a high school diploma and a 40 hour workshop. Wow. And no supervised experience requirement. 
And then the state of Florida had to have certain people who were certified behavior analysts overseeing programs. And even though there was also a district behavior analyst who was supposed to be somebody who really knew what they were doing. I was one of those <laughs> at a point in time. <laughs> and uh, then a peer review committee that also oversaw things. We couldn't oversee everything. And the stuff that was happening by Florida CBAs that were poorly trained was awful. But then at the same time, people who were licensed professionals, even licensed psychologists, thought that this behavior mod stuff, they all knew it because it was the easy stuff and they also were messing people up so in california i had this experience that that's what led me to do something different when i was working at camarillo i talked to two of the individuals that i have worked with i had I went into group homes in the community and they both died, and I found out how they died, and they died because a licensed psychologist who didn't know behavior analysis wrote behavior plans for them that reinforced all the problem behavior we had worked so hard to replace with a, a alternative behavior. We had taught them uh, communication skills, we had taught them a lot of skills, and instead, they reversed the contingencies. They did a reversal of the contingencies. Total, total reversal. Not just a withdrawal. If they had withdrawn treatment, that would have been better. But they reversed it. And, and all the problems, behavior came back, and then one died while being placed in prone containment, they crushed his chest, and the other one died in a locked timeout room of a seizure because he wasn't monitored. And the two deaths happened shortly, and I was sent in to the state and uh, to the uh, group homes. Uh, the state took them over, and uh, and temporarily. And I was working for the state, so I got sent in to fix the mess. And I cried, not only for the death of those two individuals, but to see what was happening with the other individuals who lived there, who I had worked with, and who now had not only lost the skills that they had gained while working with us, but all their problems behavior had come back. and. They were, the, they were totally out of control and it was a mess. And there were six group homes with six beds apiece, 36 individuals whose lives were totally ruined while two of them died. And I knew we had to do something different. So when I came to Florida and I saw the certification stuff, I thought it was the answer. And then I found out what a sham it was. And that's when I partnered with uh, Jerry Shook and Michael Hemingway and then Jim Johnston and later on Judy Fable and so forth. And, uh, and the vision that we had, back to the vision, was that we would set up standards 
for certification that made sure that people were well trained and that there would be a system for ensuring that people were disciplined if they were doing things wrong. But unfortunately, we knew that we had to start the bar low and gradually increase it. I can spend a lot of time talking about that, but the questions about the vision for the future, but it's important to mention that in any profession, if you start out with the bar where it's so high that nobody can meet it, because for example, in other countries now, you have to have alternative pathways for them to reach certification because they don't have enough university programs or any in behavior analysis. They don't even, and they don't have any board certified behavior analysts or they might have one or two for the whole huge country. So you can't have the same standards, but the, 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 but our vision was that eventually people would have to get a master's in behavior analysis. And in programs that had the quality of the ones we know about are really good, uh, accredited programs eventually, <laughs> uh, like Western Michigan, like West Virginia, like Kansas, like Southern Illinois, like University of Nevada at Reno, and I can mention quite a few more. There's, that's not the only ones. Uh, I'm, I'm just mentioning them because those have been around for a long time. Kansas, I think I said too, they've been around for a long time. Uh, and uh, Florida Tech, of course, but Florida Tech is, is newer. Uh, we've been around like 21 years, but the other ones I mentioned have been around from the 60s and early 70s. Uh, they, yeah, they've been around since I was around. <laughs> But anyway, the, um, the, so anyway, to have that kind of quality in the training of behavior analysts, because first of all, you have to have well-trained people and the standards for becoming board certified and for becoming licensed should be high enough that you guarantee that you're going to have somebody who is not a technician is not a technologist, is not somebody who follows a cookbook approach, but who uses everything they know about the research and about the basic principles of behavior to always analyze the contingencies and, and, and work on programs whether they're working with individuals with a diagnosis of autism or working with an individual with a diagnosis of schizophrenia or working uh, in schools with kids with behavior problems or at home with kids with behavior problems or whatever, or in business and industry or whatever, but that they know what they're doing the way that, unfortunately, I was trained I am so happy that I was trained well by other people who, who somehow knew all this stuff much better than, 
Maybe I even know it now. <laughs> they, they were masters at it. <laughs> but the, the, the main thing is that training has to have the highest standards possible. And that eventually you can't just have somebody just take some courses here and then I'll do their practicum or whatever or their supervised experience anywhere. But like, for example, in clinical psychology, in order to become a, 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 a licensed, of course, there were exceptions because you could have an alternate pathway too. But we had to go to an, for one year, full time, 40 hours a week for a whole 12 months to go to an APA accredited internship. The American Psychological Association actually accredited internships. Well, we haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> in behavior analysis. Each university either approves their own practical sites themselves. They're not an external body. So remember, there's always contingencies in operation so that things don't always go well. I know it fully well. I've been around the block. And then people do their supervised experience outside of a university setting and they do it at their workplace and it's more like a job and then they get supervised. And there's something to that too. I worked at a lot of places and I learned a lot of places that I worked, but the fact that I went through a formalized internship in which I was there, I couldn't get paid. Oh, and I had to do the 2000 hours of uh, university approved practicum first. I had to do 2000 hours and then I had to do a thousand hour APA approved internship. And then I had to do a, a 2000 hour postdoc training to become licensed. And people complain about 1500 hours. <laughs> and <laughs> they want it to be their place of work and they want to get paid. And of course, people have to get paid. It's the realities of the world. I was lucky enough that at the time there were training grants by the National Institute of Mental Health. And so what I got was grants from the National Institute of Mental Health that made it possible for me to do an internship. So UCLA had grant money from NIMH and the grant allowed me to have living expenses. Then they I was at a state hospital. They gave me a dorm room. I had to say to stay in a dorm while I was doing my internship, you know? <laughs> I And I got fed. I got three square meals a day at the hospital, you know? It wasn't good food. It wasn't good housing. But I didn't have to have a job. I was there to learn. <laughs> And these days people want to have their job and then make their money and have their nice cars and their nice apartments or houses. And, and then, then still get their training. But what happens is they get trained in whatever the place is doing. So if they're doing discrete trials, 
that's what they learn discrete trials <laughs> no free operant work there do you know that there's some behavior analysts that come out and they're bcbas and they have only done discrete trials and they don't even know what a free operant is it's crazy it's sad it is amazing but in my internship and in, in my practica i had to do rotations to learn different skills and there was a curriculum of all the skills that i had to learn so i learned discrete trials hey i learned it from people who had learned it from lovas lovas came around and saw what we were doing <laughs> uh, uh, he only came every three months but he still came around and the people there had been trained directly by him at UCLA. My boss had been. Listen, it's like I, but then I, I learned other procedures, behavioral skills training before it was called behavioral skills training. I learned that's what they used at the clinical research unit for the study of schizophrenia to train the skills for the schizophrenics. Shaping, <laughs> how, how to shape behavior, and that's a free operant procedure. That's not discrete trials. How many people don't know how to shape behavior? It is sad. So people need to learn the skills, but more than that, they need to learn to always look at the contingencies. And some people don't even know what a contingency is. They don't know the difference between a functional relation and a contingency, because I've asked in interviews, I've interviewed people, and I asked them that question, what's the difference between a contingency and a functional relation? And they don't know. And how can a BCBA not know that? So this stuff is really a science and a technology that's based on that science. And people sometimes are just learning techniques. They're not even learning the technology based on the science. They're just learning a bunch of techniques. And that's where we need to make sure that that's not what happens. Instead, what happens is that people are well-trained. And then we have to set up contingencies so that people continue to practice because what happens is there's drift. And people not only do they drift in terms of what they've learned before, but sometimes they either fail to learn anything new or they don't learn it well enough to really be able to apply it. Application is a much higher level skill than it's called knowledge. I don't like the word knowledge. It's one of those cognitive works I hate. But there, if you look at Bloom's taxonomy in terms of training, that's what you, we educators use in terms of training people. And, and there's all these things, and then you get to the higher level stuff, and there's the three highest levels, application, then higher than that is an analytical analysis. And hey, as a behavior analyst, you need to not only apply, but you need to analyze and then synthesis and in, and synthesis is to synthesize 
all that you know from the different things is, uh, so that then you can produce something and which you make things from different things that you have learned together to come up with something new and be innovative and 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 be able to try things that still make sense but they are innovations try new things <laughs> but then evaluate them carefully <laughs> but anyway so I'm, I'm digressing a little bit here but it's what we need is to have people that are well trained enough for all this you and 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 we do need a lot, a lot more phds but we also need the most people in the field master's level people to be well trained and you can be well trained at the master's level if you go to one of the excellent programs out there uh and 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 but then you really focus on that and it's not something you just do on the side uh while you, the rest of your life is the main thing and, and this is just something you do on the side it's like total immersion is <laughs> what we would like but unfortunately the the contingencies out there and the reality is that it's very difficult part of it is that education is not supported to the sense that it is and people have to work and people can't afford school and people get into financial debt and i was fortunate enough to have an imh grants to support all this stuff plus i didn't mind being poor for a lot of years because i was used to being poor <laughs> anyway and jose like how do you think that that so i know a lot of like you brought up people working in the jobs as direct care staff right mm -hmm. now as RBTs if they get the credential um how do you think it impacts their supervision when they're kind of stuck in this RBT role right well first of all it's good to get the RBT and work as an RBT for a good period of time before you learn the higher level skills but once you are being trained to be a behavior analyst and you're getting supervised to be a, a BCABA and even more so a BCBA, then what happens is that agencies have it. The contingencies are that they can only bill for these people if they are RBTs doing RBT work. They can't bill for doing behavior analysis work and they and the people want to get paid and the company says well we can't pay you unless you do what we need you to do which is do billable hours so the contingencies are such for both the agency and the person who's getting trying to get trained Sorry, that's, that's <laughs> the X-Files or something, or maybe... What was that? A spaceship has just landed. That's right. <clears throat> yep. That's that warning. 
No, that was... That a meeting's coming up in 15 minutes. You got 15 minutes. minutes, yeah. That's what it is. <laughs> that's that's great. funny. They're, that's they're funny. contacting you from the future. Yeah, they're, they're, they're contacting me that yeah. I have a meeting in 15 minutes. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I have those alarm things because yeah. I'm not... I don't get to my we're, meetings. We're watching it. Don't worry. Yeah, um, but, but when I'm not... When you're not here, yeah, then I don't watch true. it. And then I hear my science... Ooh, the faces <laughs> landed. At least I put a nice sound on it. Yes. <laughs> Um, so, <laughs> so I think I'm hearing you say that the contingencies of how the system is set up right now mm-hmm. might be affecting the quality of BCBAs that we're getting. Definitely so. So what ideally would happen is that somehow the emphasis on billable hours needs to be shifted and the way that it might work is that if the agency is making enough money out of the people they need to just pay them for those hours and it it all depends in some states they might be billing fifty dollars an hour for an art for an RBT. I'm not as familiar with the rates of pay now, but I think it var- I read something that it varies from like 30 to 50 or something. Uh, but how much are they paying those people an hour? Oh, they really want me to go. If you need time to prep. Yeah, well, yeah, maybe, maybe well, maybe what we can do, because we need yeah. to restart this again, because it, it yeah. got messed up. But I think we have something usable for today. You heard it straight from his mouth. We will be hearing from Dr. Jose Martinez-Diaz even more. But that doesn't mean we don't have other thought leaders for you. In the upcoming months, we will be talking with Dr. Tom Freeman, Dr. Henry Rohn, Dr. Kyle Miguel, and even more. And as always, if you have any feedback or suggestions please contact us at operant innovations at aba technologies.com.